Hello, my name is Blaze Bailey. Hey, this is Chuck Billy from Testament right here on Mars Attacks. Hey, what's up? This is Joey Z from Life of Agony. Hey, this is Tim Ripper Owens. This is Bobby Bliss from Overkill. You stay tuned. Hey, this is Dale Lorenzo from Hades, nonfiction, The Cursed, and my horrible solo music. You listen to my boy Victor on Mars Attacks. Hey, this is Ron Bumblefoot, fan of Guns N' Roses, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. How you doing? This is Frankie Benali from Quiet Riot. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dave Windor from Monster Magnet, and you are listening to Mars Attacks. Hello, everybody. This is Michael Kiske talking, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, this is Richard Patrick from Stilter, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hey everybody, what's happening? This is John Bush, and you're cranking it up on Mars Attack. Is it just a dream, or is it just a deja vu from nowhere? I hide myself, my feelings were hurt long ago. Just curious, in the middle of a Turn myself away through the dirt. I'm running in the night, got nowhere else to hide. I'm looking through this wounded heart inside me. I'm walking with a no destination. Episode 25 of the Mars Attacks podcast. I am your host, Victor. And before going any further, just want to remind you guys that if you're coming from Blabbermouth, Brave Words, Anti-Music, or any of the other great sites that you may have come from, to listen to part two of my interview with Michael Kiska, remember you can listen to or download these episodes directly from MarsAttacksRadio.com, from MarsPodcast.com, or directly from iTunes, depending upon where you want to go to download the information, or to download the episode, excuse me. In any event, we sort of left you guys hanging there uh, last month with the first part of this interview. More than one person wrote me asking where part two was, and I do have to apologize Uh, You know, life is a strange thing, and when you think, uh, you know, you've got things squared away, uh, you have things like bypass surgeries, cancer, and uh, pregnancies come up. So, uh, yeah, things have been very, very busy on my end. Um, 
Thankfully, 2010 is over. We gave that a swift kick in the ass, and hopefully 2011 will bring better things for all of us. Uh, in any event, we're going to do the same as usual. We had a little bit of uh, Michael Kiska and Amanda Somerville there. Uh, we played Silence, and uh, we're going to jump into some classic Halloween right now. Um, basically... The reason that we're all here is because of music. So what the hell? This is a track by Halloween called Music. And right after this, you'll be able to hear part two of the Michael Kiska interview.
And um, do you still have any ties whatsoever with any of your former bandmates? Um, you no, spoke Kai. about Kai. Only Kai. Only okay. Kai. Yeah, yeah. When when I got out of the band, we which was ninety four, January ninety four, um, I met him at a music store here uh, in Hamburg, and we just talked. We just started to talk. Um, and and that was it. From that day on, everything was cool. Um, I was just pissed about him because he left. And I, mm-hmm. I always liked him. Wycott got me into the band, and in the first couple of years, I was under the influence. Mm-hmm. Uh, but after a while, I really liked Kai um, for the things that I told you earlier. You know, he was right. just a very cool guy to be with, and it was just fun. So I kind of swapped over to his side a little bit. Um, right. It's also something that uh, a certain person didn't like very much. Um, and then I, then he started to talk about leaving. And and of course, then I was pissed, you know, that he was he wanted to leave and stuff. Right. But that that was all cool. After after we talked, um, ninety ninety four, we met a couple of times since then, and we always got along very nicely. Okay. Um, and I met Marcus actually. I met Marcus. I think okay. It was three years ago in a train. Mm-hmm. And he, he was also very sweet. Uh, there was actually no negative tension going on anymore between us, which was different mm-hmm. because I also met him ninety four in the same shop. And he was kind of almost running away from me. Huh. Uh, he did not want to talk <laughs> during during that phase. And that was totally different uh, three years ago when I met him. He's like, I've seen no negative feelings going on anymore, which was nice. And he was just telling me about this record that he was doing with only bass guitars. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> How did you get paired up with Amanda? That's the same thing. Uh, like with Serafino again, who had this this idea. He asked me if, uh, with, an, with an email if I would be interested in, in doing a whole rock record with as a, in a, as a duet with a female voice. And I really liked the idea. Because I did it once for Indigo Dying. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you heard that song. It's a, it's a pretty good song. They should have done something with it. Uh, Breathe in Water. Breathe, breathing Water. Yeah, that's the name of it. Um, turned out a very nice tune. A very good song. Um, and I liked uh, this this thing of singing together with a girl. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I said yes, and then he, con- I think, then he contacted Matt Sinner, who did everything else. He was d- taking care of most of the songs, and um, Amanda was one of, I think, three girls they had on the list for doing the job. And the the first they they picked didn't couldn't do it because the band didn't like the idea. She she's in part of a band. The band okay. did, did were kind of jealous, uh, which is understandable. <laughs> um, I cannot do many projects now, too, you know, because of Unisonic. They don't want me to do that. It's understandable. Right. And I'm, I'm actually quite happy that it happened that way because I like Amanda so much. Um, hmm. Her personality, you know, she's not only that she's beautiful and has a great voice. She's a really nice person. It's okay. like from the from, from the from the first day on that we met, we we liked each other. Um, and and that just lingers on, um, and that makes this whole thing very beautiful. It okay. could have been could have been different, you know. Right. But it's sure, really nice. Sure, you put two people together uh, with you know obviously with your name and with her name. She's sung on a bunch of different albums, and you know there could always be all types of ego issues yeah, or whatever. Uh, not at all, not at all. I mean, and the funny thing is, I really am a fan of her. I okay. really like her voice. I actually liked it the, the first time I heard it. And I always like to tell that story because it is kind of sweet. 
um, I was I was doing a track for for this project that Sasha Paid did. Aina, I don't know if you heard, of, if you heard about that one. It's it's almost it's, it's more like a cla- uh, like like a, almost like a sound like an track. opera, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has a lot of classical instruments on it and stuff. And I was supposed to do and I was doing uh, Silver Maiden. It's a song. It's a beautiful song. It's almost like a soundtrack for The Last Unicorn or something like that. Okay. And they've sent me a song with a guiding voice on it. And there was a girl's voice on it. And I thought, that sounds so beautiful that I actually mailed Sasha back. I don't want to do it. <laughs> take take that one. I can't do it better. I mean, she sounds perfect. I mean, why do you want me to sing it? You know, it just sounds, that's the way it should sound. I cannot do it any better. You know, I can just do it different. That's it. No, no, we want you to sing it. You know, that's the whole plan that you do it. So I did the vocals. Um, but I did. I never knew who it was because I'm I'm pretty ignorant sometimes. When a record is finished, usually I don't look at it anymore. So it's right. like when I got the final CD, I think it's still covered in plastic. I, I, I still think I haven't opened it or something. Oh, no, I, I did. I did. Because when we did the video shoot to the Kiska Summerwilder ad, she was doing a video diary. And she was walking around with her little camera, and she was coming to me and said, ah, finally, I I met Michael, and we have been working together a couple of times in different projects, and now we finally meet. And I was kind of, hmm, different projects? <laughs> kind of, I, I only remembered Avantasia. You know, right. She, she's part of it. And uh, and when I got back from the video shoot, I just grabbed the INR CD because I remember there was this beautiful female voice on it, and I looked into the CD booklet and found her name on it. It's just like <laughs> I didn't even know it was her. So it's like the the first time that I heard her voice, I fell in love with that with her, and mm-hmm. and that's the thing. If you look, do you know her solo record, Windows? I unfortunately haven't heard it. Check it out, my friend. It's really good. It's really a good record, and she she's capable of so many more things than just metal. I mean, she sounds great in rock and metal stuff, but she can mm-hmm. do anything. She's like like a really 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 good vocalist. But apart from that, she's also like a very sweet person, very good hearted, very intelligent. Um, She's not at all like like girls sometimes can be complicated, you know. She doesn't right. have any of that. She doesn't have any diva uh, bullshit going on, and that's just awesome. Right. Well, that, I thought some of the things that you just mentioned about her were interesting because I read online how she's worked with, you know, as I mentioned before, so many different bands, collaborated with them, but also helped out as say a vocal coach or things of that nature. So obviously, if you can't put that ego or that diva stuff aside. She obviously wouldn't have worked with, you know, so many people to that capacity. Exactly. That's the thing. I mean, if you if you if you don't treat people good, they just they're just never going to call you again. You know. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. No, she doesn't have that. She's too intelligent for for being arrogant. Gotcha. Honestly, to me, to me, arrogance is just a form of stupidity. <laughs> right. In most Honestly, cases, that's that's what it is. It's <laughs> stupidity of the heart. I mean, what's if you, how can anyone think to be better than someone else? I mean, there are differences, and I'm not saying all human beings are the same. We are different morally. I mean, some people have a bigger heart, and other people have very small hearts. Um, right. And there's everything in between. And that I think that's something you can evaluate people with. Someone who doesn't care about anything else but himself and doesn't give a crap about the other one next to him is an asshole to me. And right. I would say it's not as precious. It's not such a precious human being as someone with a big heart. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I evaluate people in that sense, you know. But um, just because, like you said earlier, just because you have a career or be successful, you can sing or you make records. If that makes you arrogant, then that's stupid. 
Right. I mean, I have a pretty bad reputation too, but I tell you, I, I, I'm always treating people with respect as long as they treat me with respect, you know. Gotcha. If someone pisses me off, I'm shooting <laughs> You know, that's, that's that's just the thing. It's like, and I, I think I think it's part of what I said earlier. Um, like uh, that the metal scene doesn't really like to be criticized. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like if you if you disagree with something you say, so there are a lot of people there that just hate you for that, um, just because you disagree with them. Um, right. I think that's part of the thing. And then again, another person was also working hard on creating a certain image of myself. But it's like if anyone tells crap about me, just ask him if he ever met me. <laughs> You're saying chances are they haven't. <laughs> exactly. I'm not a holy person, you know. I have my temper and stuff like that, but I, I, I'm harmless. I really am. Right. Yeah, it's getting back to what we talked about before. Unfortunately, there's a lot of um, a mentality of a lot of elitism in in metal, and people want you to fit into the same box all the time. Yeah. And yeah. it's almost like know, religion. They, has a lot to yeah. do. It reminds me a lot on the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like there's a metal church going on where they have their metal popes, right? And they have their their the metal laws. And uh-huh. if you don't, and if you don't follow these laws, you get in front of sort of an Inquisition court, and and you get excommunicated. And when you <laughs> get excommunicated, you cannot play rock music anymore because rock right. music is a, is a property of of the metal church. Right, right, it's like right. There's so many similarities with. I mean, I I am a believer. You know, don't get me wrong. I believe in Christ, but mm-hmm. I don't believe in the church. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't. Ha- I don't believe in these institutions of mind control. I, I I believe in spirituality and that the human mind is capable of many things. Also, mm-hmm. spiritual truth. Um. But it's very funny that especially the male scene that always likes to see itself as so free. Mm-hmm. It's not so free at all. It's a lot of very almost music fascism going on. There. Yeah, a, a lot of conservatism, uh, a lot oh, of conservative yeah. people. Yeah, it's it, it's very true. Where you know a lot of the imagery can be you know one way or another, but then when you, as you're saying, poke fun at it or want to sit down and discuss it, it's oh no, it has to be within these constraints. Can't go beyond these you know borders because if it is. It's no yeah. longer metal. It's no yeah, exactly. longer this. And, and I am the kind of guy who likes to tease in that direction. You know, it's like it's, when someone tells me metal is the law, I tell them, "Fuck you." Free music is the law. You know, right? It's like <laughs> it's like I'm, I'm doing these things because I think it's wrong. Um, uh, and I have I have been dealing with it um, a lot over the last 17 years because I was confronted with a situation of being in a band, being successful in a band, and, and people know me with a certain sound, and I was not. Taking, I mean, I was not faking that sound on my solo record, so you can you can imagine the, the sort of responses that I had many times. Um, right. And, and that it's like I had like phases where I was totally pissed about it, and there was phases where I was justifying myself far too much, you know. Um, until I finally realized you just you just you just got to keep on doing what you do and just don't give a crap. You, right. You, you just can't. You, uh, but then again, you have to talk about it. That's that's a, that's the thing that I think is important that we talk about it. You know, mm-hmm. that, that people hear these kind of things. What what's going on in a musician's head? You know, how does creativity work? For instance, it's like someone who doesn't write songs himself might not have the right idea of what's necessary to write an honest song. But it's like mm-hmm. I'm I'm usually very well understood by other musicians. May yeah. that be amateurs or professionals, doesn't matter. When I say 
you know, I have to express myself. And if I don't make the, the music that I feel is, is, is me, that is right, um, I'm not real. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not myself. And usually musicians understand that. Yes. It's just a cer- certain type of fans that, that uh, don't want to understand that because they're so selfish. They just want you to give them what they liked, you know. And, right, right, and, right. I, and I understand it to a certain point of view. I don't – I mean that's also something I've learned now. I don't hate someone f- ha- for having a different taste you know, mm-hmm. in music than I have. You know, nobody has to like what I like. Nobody right. has to like my music. Nowadays, I just separate two very important things. And one, thi- one thing is that, that um, I have to make the music the way I like it. At first, mm-hmm. I have to satisfy, satisfy myself with a song. If I'm not excited about a song, how can anyone else be? I mean, it, that's, to me, that makes no sense. You know, it's like I, I got to satisfy myself. And then I try to find people who feel the same way. You know, you, you mm-hmm. just you just try to find your audience, the people who agree with you there, and get excited about pretty much the same stuff. You might piss them piss them off with another record. That mm-hmm. happens. I have no control about it. You know, but it's like it's okay with me as long as as as, as these people who disagree with me don't try to force me to please them. Mm-hmm. That's where I think it gets wrong. It's like everybody has the right to say, you know, this record sucks. You know, I don't like it. Fine. You just listen to a different record. I mean, I mean, I don't like every music. There are records that I like, but I don't go to these bands and tell them you suck, <laughs> right? Because you, you don't do what I want to do. Because that's just stupid. And mm-hmm. that's the thing. That's that's one of the things that I got really pissed about many times uh, when having to deal with certain metal people and metal fans and stuff. I'm just a lot more relaxed when it comes to that. I don't. I, I can't take that too serious anymore. But we should talk about it. Because it, because it is, I think it's part of your and my job to, mm-hmm. to, to build on culture, musical culture. And that means to, 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 to try to create bigger horizons. Try to, it's like the more music you understand, the, the more you're a human being. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, it just makes you more. It just makes you, you, you grow spiritually and, and mentally. If, you, if you're able to understand classical music, rock music, uh, and, and, and whatever, different, different types of music, if you're able to understand them with your heart, that's just a gain. That's a gain. Right, right. And if you limit yourself down to one freaking style of music and you say everything else is crap, you know, only that is the, the only true music there. You, know, mm-hmm. you just, you just, you just um, steal away so many good things. Yeah, and so many different influences you can bring back to what you're doing, you know? Exactly, exactly. And and that was always one of the things that was different with me. I was never never a a music fascist. (laughs) I I, I never was a music fascist. It's like I really was into the the, the certain metal bands of the 80s, like Judas Priest, Iron Maiden. Still love them, you know? Uh, Mm -hmm. There's a couple of bands I really liked – but I was never just listening to metal. That was that just made no sense to me. I never stopped listening to Elvis, for instance, or to listening to the Beatles or something like that. And that's something I never understood. And I, I actually noticed musicians usually are like that. It's, it's more the fans that, that like yeah. to have these sort of uh, very small uh, understanding, and then they, they kind of idealize it and make it a dogma, which is like which is which has also has to do um, a bit to do with these people who. It has to do with sometimes having not enough personality, and then you need to identify yourself with a football team or a country right. or a race. You know, mm-hmm. call that the good, and everything that's not fitting into that frame is the evil. 
right, right, do that. Right. I mean, that's that's the essence of chauvinism. It's the essence of fascism. You know, to to take th- something that you understand and that you like, and you call that good. You make it you give it moral term, and everything outside of it becomes the evil. That's what certain metal fans do. It's like mm-hmm. that's true music, and the rest is false music. Right. Which which is very <laughs> funny because. I was thinking about these things a lot. What's the definition of true music? What makes a song true? That's what we talked about earlier. You know, mm-hmm. if if it's a true expression, then it's a true song. And I always like to say that to, to certain people who, who who try to bring everything else down and say every other music direction is crap or whatever. It's like I always bring that up. It's like when you when you when someone grows up in a country music surrounding. You know, the parents were listening to it or whatever, or maybe they listen to different music, whatever. He likes country music, and he grows mm-hmm. up He grows up with it. And that's just the music that gives him the kick, you know? Yeah. And he, mm-hmm. and he writes a song about a love that went wrong, and that's just something he experienced. And, and he writes a true song about it in country. That's true art. Right, right, right. And if anyone comes to that man and says, you suck because you don't play metal, it's an idiot. <laughs> it's just an idiot. And, and 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 that's the thing. And you have just so many false metal bands too. Mm-hmm. We just we just do that because that's what they get paid for. You know, they're, they're probably in private. They listen to totally different music, and maybe they even hate what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you have just as much fake in, in metal as you have in pop music, and you have just as much truth in pop music as you have in metal. It doesn't have mm-hmm. anything to do with the musical style. It has to do with why you do what you do mm-hmm. and how you do it. Yeah, I, I agree it's a with you. Spiritual thing. It's a spiritual thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you mentioned, that the non-musicians—that's something that is always that I've always gotten involved in different types of discussions with, or even arguments with. Where when someone hasn't picked up an album, or I'm sorry, when someone hasn't picked up an instrument or tried to write anything, you know, they're yeah. usually the first people to say, oh, you know, uh, the the best case in point for me or the one of the biggest arguments was when Metallica put the Load albums out. Yeah, and I liked it. <laughs> that was funny. I, I liked it. Yeah, so so do I. And the because argument I that I was, I thought it was honest because, yeah. because they were just not the, 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 the pissed guys from San Francisco anymore with their – broken jeans or whatever you know they were kind of millionaires and and they were just kind of letting that through you know it was and and life changes life evolves you know uh the argument that i like to use is just because you know you worked in a mcdonald's when you were 17 doesn't mean you have to work there the rest of your life you know your your aspiration should be to grow and you know unless you want to become manager uh, you know, move on and you know go to bigger you know, and better. You know, this is part of the reason why we have such a so often such a sellout for bands because of this attitude of certain fans. If fans would appreciate creativity more rather than being mm-hmm. served, you know, and like right. you order a cake that you liked and you order it again and again because it's your favorite cake, you shouldn't treat music like that. We are right. all a bit like that. If we like a record, you know. If something's totally different, it's sometimes it is difficult. But it, but it, the more fans would have a healthy uh, look at music culture, the less the money-making industry would cause such damage as it does to so many bands. Because right. if, if if fans always want to hear the same stuff, or at least not too far away from what has been understood, um, if if that if they keep up with that. The industry will always try to count them out. The mm-hmm. industry will always try to force bands and artists to sound like their best-selling records. 
Right. When when you look at and that's artistically wrong, and usually after a while these bands just die because it's just nothing happening anymore. But right. if you look at the Beatles, for instance, it was a different generation that they grew up. They, they kind of raised the generation because every record that that they made was different. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they 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 did records that they, they're still lasting today, like like Sgt. Pepper or you know these the White Album, and because they were so so revolutionary when they did them, and 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 the, the Beatles fans, after a couple of records, they just knew, they got educated through, by the Beatles artistically, in a right. way that they. They want to be excited about something unexpected. They wanted mm-hmm. to hear the Beatles. You know, they wanted to hear John Lennon, Paul McCartney. They always had their sound, and 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 that was something you couldn't get away. Since they always sounded, uh, they always had their identity. It's very difficult right. for for living music culture to exist like that. And 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 the disaster that we're in these days with all this copying of music and downloading it through the internet and stuff, and nobody supporting CDs productions anymore because nobody thinks it's worth buying it. All this is is the result of the industry making music cheaper and cheaper and cheaper and not real. Right. Um, uh, it's not only because you can. You know, I, if I can steal the car of my neighbor, I, it still doesn't mean that I will. You know, <laughs> right? And it's like the fans, if they want to support musicians, they will. Even, mm-hmm. even though they can steal it, they won't. But why do so many steal music? Because they don't think it's worth it. Mm-hmm. It's something that it's not really in their head. It's more subconsciously because they grew up with a music industry. You know, these boy groups, girl groups, all these casting shows, you know, all this, which is just, I mean, there's nothing, you can't discriminate music more than these casting shows where right. there's no, no identity at all. These people don't write their own songs usually. They, 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 people tell them how to dance, how to dress, how to sing. You know, they don't have their own opinion. I mean, I don't give a heck about what these people would think about my singing. I don't mm-hmm. care if they like it. You know, I just do it the way I like it. And if you if you if you go to a casting show and you really think it's important what these three people think, they're just subjective. They just have their own personal taste. Why should they know better than you what's right? Mm-hmm. It makes no sense at all. It's like people who go there and, and go through this machine, they can't really have much identity. They can't really have much self-confidence. I mean, it's it, it, you just totally prostitute yourself. You become a puppet of, of these people. And, and if you win there, it's even worse. And you, you have that stamp on your head, but it's a good example of what music should not be. I mean, these things <laughs> are very well done, you know, technically. And we have the we, knew, right. we have the technical issue again. There are a lot of songwriters writing for these casted boy and girl groups and stuff like that. That they, they do write technically very nice songs. They, they they really know how to do that. Very professionally written, written, but they have no spirit. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not true music. It is it is just technically done. Your business. It's just work. It's just a job that they do. And right. I think the, 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 because the industry more and more get going in this direction of um, music just being a fast food thing, uh, so just something to get uh, the, the money out of your pocket. These teenagers feel that. They feel mm-hmm. that. And they, they don't have a relationship to the music anymore. It's not a deep relationship. And I really believe if that changes, if the industry would look out for originals again, if the industry would support people with identity and and make sure that they get hurt and they 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 and we we build a music culture that where bands are successful because they're real uh, and and they mean what they do and not just these industry 
puppets, I'm sure people would start buying CDs again. Right. I I, I agree with you 100%. Because I, they would I, have a relationship uh, to the yeah. artist. And they would feel – you know, it's like when you have th these audiences who like one boy group, boy group this summer, next summer there's another cute boy group. Maybe they're even cute, yeah. you know. So, the, the, so the, the one from the past summer is forgotten already. That's just – that's not a relationship. This has nothing to do with, with, with music culture. That's just fast food. And how yeah. should they feel responsible for anything? How should a fan feel responsible for anything when they have such a short, short memory anyway? If you have a career of 20 years or something and you have people that followed your career for 20 years, that's a different thing. I, I, I buy every record that I want to have. There's not so many that I need to have. Uh, mm -hmm. But a couple of bands that I support, I would never steal these records. I would, right, right. I would feel disgusting to do that. You know, it's like I'm living from selling records and making music. You know, it's like why should I do the same thing? And it's like that's 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 my point of view. But it's like I honestly believe if, if the industry and 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 the musicians, if everything would just become more of a truthful music culture, I'm sure the industry, the business would go well again as well. But 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 the industry does it makes it actually worse. Even mm -hmm. worse, it has to be even faster, cheaper, and they even more try to count out what people want to hear, what certain scenes want to hear, and stuff. And I right. think, and I think it's very, very important to talk about these things. Absolutely, because that's all you can do. I don't believe in laws. I don't believe you should put teenagers in jail because they steal music and stuff like that. That stuff doesn't work. You mm -hmm. have to make them want to support you. That's the only way. Right. Absolutely agree. <laughs> Absolutely agree, 100%. Another band that you touched on a few times during the conversation is Iron Maiden. Yeah. There were so many rumors in the 90s about uh, you auditioning for Bruce's spot and things like that. Uh, was any of that even remotely true? No, 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 no. The funny thing is I even heard it on German TV. I, I was watching a, 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 a German TV show that was hard and heavy. Mm -hmm, with, right. a, with a good-looking girl doing that, and and she was, um, she was bringing it on the hot and heavy news. It's like it was it was rumors for a couple of days, and now everybody knows it's a fact. Michael Kiske is the new lead singer from Iron Maiden, and I thought I'd give them a call when we start to do the first rehearsals and stuff like that. It was <laughs> it was really funny, especially when you see that on TV and you don't even know about it. Then you, right. you start questioning, what about the other news that they're talking about? Um, are they just the same right. true? Um, <laughs> No, no, there was nothing about it. Um, um, I think, first of all, I'm German. I, I'm absolutely sure that, that a British band like Iron Maiden would never have a German singer. I, I know that they're not – I mean the, the Maiden guys not at all are any, in any way nationalistic or anything like that. Uh, right. But it has to do with business, um, with their target group. The, the British are you know, pretty proud about their countries, and Germany and mm -hmm. England, we don't have the best history. Um, <laughs> so I'm pretty sure – I don't think I don't think they would ever take a German singer as a vocalist. It has right. to be British guy, um, and it has to be Bruce Dickinson anyway. You know, um, uh, I, the, the, I, when people ask me that, I'm always telling this story because that's the only thing that I know um, how this might have come up. Um, I know the guys, of course. We had the same management for a number of years, and. Um, um, I just remember that there was a, uh, um, a French journalist. I think it was a French journalist. I'm not 100% sure, but it's like, and 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 um, he just told me that he had an interview with Steve Harris, 
and um, that Steve Harris had like three names of singers that he could imagine to be an Iron Maiden, and that I was one of them. Huh. That he could imagine. I. If you ever make an interview with Steve Harris, ask him if that's true. I haven't got any contact with them anymore because I'm not with Sanctuary. Sanctuary don't exist anymore. Right. Like over the management, I had the contact. With, we met a few times, like when Rod Smallwood got married and stuff. That's that's uh, when I met Steve Harris and stuff like that. Um, I had the best contact with uh, Adrian Smith and 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 with Bruce Dickinson. That we mm-hmm. just we I just had a few conversations with him and I met him once here in Hamburg um, because I. Same management, so I showed up at the same place. You know, nothing big, but just little conversations here and there. Um, but it was it's like the, the 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 best contact I had was with Adrian Smith. But if you ever talk to him, ask him if he really said that, because that's that's what I heard uh, from this journalist, and maybe that's where it came from. You know, but um, I, I wouldn't have joined the band either, because I don't think that I fit there as a person. You know, I'm just. I I I I just need to be in a in a much bigger cage, you know, if that makes gotcha. sense. Yeah, yeah. You didn't want to uh, stay within the confines of what but Iron are. Maiden was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. I, I I just need to do more than that. Um, it's not criticism, you know. I love Iron Maiden, um, but I'm just different. Uh, I I don't think right. that I would fit there. Right. You know, and and I know exactly. Where you're coming from, I'm a big fan of Maiden as well, one of my all-time favorite bands. Yeah. But I think, you know, to an extent, similar to all the other stuff that we've talked about with metal and, and everything else, uh, especially with some of their newer albums, I think they've sort of become uh, almost uh, products of their environment mm-hmm. where they've had to confine to a specific box. And maybe with those first four albums, as you mentioned, first five or six albums even, they explored different territory and they sort of didn't give a crap, you know, about the norm. And And maybe in that time, they were like uh, revolutionary. Yeah. Nobody sounded like them. I mean, they just, they just had, I mean, they had such without them. I don't think I would be here. Mm -hmm. It's like the number of the bees, peace of mind. This record impressed me so much. Right. That I, that I just, I wanted to do music, you know? And, um, um, but it, it, you easily fall into that trap um, when you when you have had success and stuff. Um, and they're they're in a, in a in a situation where they get criticized anyway for whatever they would do. Right. And that's that's why they that's why they do a little bit of both. If you listen to the the latest record, for instance, which mm-hmm. I just did, you always have a couple of songs there where they're even a bit progressive, where they mm-hmm. where they do something that is new and fresh. Which I right. personally enjoy, you know. And then you have a couple of tracks where they really do what we have heard a thousand times before from them. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe they do that unconscious, you know. It's like, but if they, one side will always criticize them. The, the, the ones who want them to do something new will criticize the tracks that sound like we, we know them for. Right, right. And the other ones, <laughs> you know, it, it, they will always be criticized. And you can, if you look at Amazon, for instance, at the, at the reviews of all their records that they've done in the past, it's always the same. Love, hate, love, hate, love, hate. Yeah. Just black and white. When a band is that big, you know, I I often have this conversation regarding Metallica as well, where a band is so huge, obviously you're going to have a big percentage of people that are just going to hate them for no reason whatsoever. (laughs) Similar with Maiden, you know, there's no rhyme or reason. Oh, I hate this album. It sucks. Okay, well, why do you think it sucks? You know, give a plausible reason. Yeah, exactly. But, you know. And even though, even though – 
what makes these kind of what makes this kind of difficult is when they when they make when they get personal, just because right. they, they like they don't like them they hate the band. That's <laughs> yeah, kind of weird, isn't it? Yeah. So it's, it's especially I mean you, you get hated even just by having uh, your face on a magazine without anyone knowing <laughs> you, you get hatred. I mean people are like that. It's some yeah. kind of they 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 many people need to hate to feel a bit better about themselves. So if you you know if you put someone down, you change the perspective. You look a little higher. You haven't really raised, you haven't really grown, but you look higher because you just put that other person down. Right. That's a that's that's a that's a way of feeling a little better about themselves that many people unfortunately still have. But but it's a lot about feeding into cliches as well. Yeah. Um, where oh you know I'm I love black metal so I have to say that everything that isn't from Norway or Sweden sucks. You yeah. know it yeah. it's just stupid. It's to try to fit within a cliche to try to the popes. Yeah. There <laughs> you go. So uh, what's next up then is uh, Unisonic then? Yep, that's what we're working on, and uh, we're really giving us a hard time um, because we're really overcritical. Um, it's like we have a lot of songs, and we twist them around, and it, t- it all takes a lot longer than we thought it would sound. Uh, but I think we are getting there. It's like sometimes you just have to throw a, a whole lot of songs in the, in the trash can um, and, and do it again and again and again until you finally are there. Um, it, it is. It is. I mean, it's good. It's good that we don't make that too easy for ourselves. Um, right. Um, but it is hard work. It really is, and it's emotionally sometimes not so easy. Um, uh, you we really have to 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 work a lot um, and write more songs and stuff. We have a couple that we're really happy with now, but we have too many that we're not too happy with yet, and that's why it all takes a little longer. But we're right. still hoping to to be releasing the album like early next year. Cool. And yeah. um, are you going to have anywhere on the web that people can keep up yeah, to date with all that stuff? Yeah, we have. I'm sure there is an official homepage, but there's certainly a MySpace site, Unisonic. Okay. And I mm-hmm. think you can get from it from my site. Uh, it's like, okay. I think it's mkiska something. Okay. Um, and that should be, should be all actual information. But there's not much to say yet because we're still cooking, you know. We're still... We're still cooking the the soup. It <laughs> takes a while. <laughs> it's good soup, right? Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I mean, we're just like, <laughs> yeah, we just we just want this to be interesting. Okay, and uh, if people just want to keep up to date with um, with what you're doing in general, is is there? You said a MySpace. Is there anything else? An official website or anything regarding that? I'm. I mean, I'm. MySpace is actually where I look at. Um, once a week, twice a week, look at comments and stuff like that. And sometimes I reply if it is mm-hmm. if it is something to to reply to. I, I'm thinking about when we start playing live again, maybe next year, um, or certainly next year. I, I I might look into this twittering stuff. Ah. Um, because I I also like Oasis. Um, got all that mm-hmm. course, and I just know that Noel Gallagher was doing this twittering. Uh, right. And I thought it was a cool idea. Um, since I'm a computer freak anyway, uh, and I'm <laughs> I'm online every day, um, do, doing everything over the internet. I buy everything over the internet, and um, it might be nice for fans to do that, like like an everyday comment about what happened or whatever. You know, so, I mean that that that's one of the things uh, that's beautiful about the 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 internet ages and all the technology that you can do things like that. 
you can, mm-hmm. you can be like very personal in touch with your fans um, a lot more than than um, through magazines and stuff. Uh, you can just directly talk to them. And, right. Uh, and I will I will get into that when 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 there is something to talk about. You know, when we start touring again and stuff like that, I will look into that. Sure. Maybe do that through my iPhone or something like that. Sure, that would definitely be cool. Yeah, that's what I thought. Something like that. But at the moment, really, it's like. We do, I'm doing a promotion for this beautiful duet with Amanda, which is a nice piece. Um, but since I'm in Unisonic now, there's not too many projects happening in the near time anymore because uh, now I'm in a real band again. Um, so it's like the main thing is to get that freaking record done and to get it out and then playing live again. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, I hope to have you back on when uh, the Unisonic album comes out. And, sure. Anytime. Uh, Definitely any time that you want to come on and plug something, uh, you're more than welcome to do so. It's definitely a, a treat to uh, have this great conversation with you. Yeah, it was great fun. And, and like I said earlier, thanks for your interest, man. You know. Hello, everybody. This is Michael Kiske talking, and you're listening to Mars Attacks.
There you go, part two of the interview with Michael Kiska. Want to thank Michael once again for coming aboard. Also want to thank Dustin from Frontier, as well as Richard from Frontier and Background Noise over here in Spain. Uh, Both of them being a tremendous help in setting up various interviews, uh, specifically Dustin with the Michael Kiska interview this time around. And... um, also need to thank Richard for hooking me up with tickets for Airborne not too long ago as well. So, But uh, that's besides the point. Um, the interview was very cool. You know, Michael is one of those guys that, you know, I listened to those first two albums with him in Halloween. And actually, I have to say Walls of Jericho as well and uh, Pink Bubbles Go Ape and, and Chameleon to an extent, which music comes off of Chameleon. Um, and I think that they're all really good, strong albums. Uh, Halloween is the only group, or one of the only groups, where they had a defining moment that really defined a genre. And for me, no one has been able to um, do any better at that specific type of subgenre, if you will, with power metal or however you want to define it. You know, I've tried to listen to Edge Guy, and I've tried to listen to a bunch of uh, other acts, and it, it it just all falls short. Unfortunately, the bar was raised so high with those first two Keeper of the Seven Keys albums that, you know, it was difficult to surpass, I think, for anyone, the band included. And I think it's a shame because I think uh, albums like uh, Master of the Rings and Time of the Oath were great. Time of the Oath is probably my third favorite <laughs> Halloween album, without a doubt. And possibly the song Time of the Oath could possibly be my favorite Halloween song of all time. I know I'm a strange guy and whatever, but I think that song is just so cool. Um, but that being said, you know, it's a shame because I think just given the fact of what they've put out after that, it just seems like either the label or the band themselves just, you know, have just tried to recreate Keeper of the Seven Keys over and over again. And I think when Michael initially left, you know, they started going in a different direction. And I think it still, you know, sounded cool. I think it was faithful to what they did before uh, in the sense that those first two Keepers albums, yeah, you know, you can notice influences from Maiden or Priest or whatnot. But I, you know... It was innovative. Um, with the other albums, with Pink Bubbles and with, uh, you know, Chameleon, maybe it wasn't as innovative, but there were still things here and there that were that were great. But I think, like Michael said, you know, it was almost like a team concept. The chemistry was there with those five members because, remember, he didn't sing on Walls of Jericho. You know, so they they hadn't perfected the formula. They perfected the formula. Kai Hansen left, and the dynamic changed. Obviously, there was a shift in, you know, the hierarchy within the band, and you know, the rest is is sort of history. But uh, you know, it's a shame. And and as he pointed out, um, you know, you only have two original members. Two out of five. You know, you think, okay, well, you know, Michael isn't there. Well, you still have four guys. No, by the time Michael left, uh, there were these only the, these two members were the only ones that were, you know, original. And you know that 
could be, you know, what has taken place and really affected the evolution of the band. And I know there are diehard people out there, you know, I read comments online with people saying, oh, you know, Andy Duress is the only lead singer in Halloween. You know, he's the only guy that loves metal. No, listen to the interviews. You know, you feel like going out and and really answering each and every one of these, but you end up getting into an endless battle of, you know, uh, he said, she said type deal. And, um, you know, as I've said often, you know, I think it's great to be able to listen to someone talk about specific topics. In this case, with Michael being able to get across his points with various topics, you know, and then it's up to you to decide, you know, whether you like what he has to say or not. Maybe you still, you know, would prefer to uh, take, you know, the Halloween side of things or, you know, or you you understand what he's saying and, you know, um, maybe it changes your opinion on things, you know, I don't know. But I know that there have been things that have been written and uh, as I've mentioned, you know, hearing someone's voice and seeing something written are completely different. There's no inflection in the voice. It's it's often what I complain about when it comes to seeing movies dubbed into Spanish is that you lose the entire emotion and inflection in someone's voice and sort of, you know, it's like watching a movie in monotone constantly, you know, because you don't feel, you know, when someone's expressing an emotion exactly what they're, you know, trying to get across the same deal with print. You know, unfortunately, uh, there's a lot of instances where people just take, you know, things that really stick out and run with them, you know. And uh, and it's funny because, you know, Michael did give me a lot of great headlines, you know, um, to use <laughs> to, to sort of uh, get this interview out there. You know, um, there's a bunch. Metal reminds me a lot of the Catholic Church. There's fuck you, free music is the law. <laughs> uh, I was never a, a music fascist. There's another good one. And, um, you know, I have another one. Michael Kiska, the new singer of Iron Maiden with an exclamation point at the end. Um, th- there are other things that really stood out with, you know, that he mentioned that I've jotted down here. He mentions that no one has ever done a phone interview or an in-person interview and portrayed him in a negative light. And, you know, I think we've all seen this with the advent of the Internet. There are so many people that get hyped up and, you know, ah, I'm going to show this guy, you know, by, you know, maybe cursing someone out or, you know, being a, a real hard ass about certain topics and um, and then if you speak to someone in person, you know they're they're the total opposite because they can't back it up. And I think that's what happens in a lot of instances. A, you know, you have that the the quote unquote internet muscles that uh, that come out, and B, you have people that are looking to make names for themselves. You know. Um, anyway, again, I enjoyed the interview. Was uh, was great being able to talk to him. I do apologize once again for taking so long to get the interview out there, but I hope all of you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed putting everything together. Uh, other things that I want to mention: um, I want to thank everyone that voted for the 2010 uh, albums list. You can go to um, FusionSonica.com to check out the best 
uh, Spanish, South American uh, acts that were voted, or I shouldn't say the best. The, well, they were deemed the best by the listeners. Let's put it that way. On VictorMRuez.com, you have the top um, non-metal in the end artists that were voted. And then right here on uh, MarsAttacksRadio.com, you have the complete rundown of what people uh, voted on. I have the top 200 listed there. You can download the show where we go over the top 30 acts. Uh, It's the longest episode in Mars Attacks history. It is roughly three hours long, but it is well worth listening to. Uh, You know, if nothing else, I really love you know, being turned on to new music. And uh, what happens with these episodes is, you know, in my case, I receive so much music from labels, it's difficult to listen to everything. And uh, with this, you know, you see what other people were checking out. You know, maybe you heard a band like, I don't know, um, Periphery put out their self-titled debut. And a lot of people hyped it up. I remember initially... Um, giving the album a once-over, and due to whatever circumstances, um, I didn't go back and listen to the album again. Well, thanks to the album being voted so high within the list, I went back, listened to it, and really enjoyed the album, so really check it out. And I do recommend checking out all of the artists that um, that are listed there, all of the albums. What I will be doing in upcoming episodes of the various podcasts and radio shows is putting together episodes with different acts that I was turned on to thanks to you, the listeners. So, um, you know, keep an ear to the ground for that. And um, in any event, I, oh, before I forget also, um, want to uh, also wish everyone a, a happy new year. Again, as I mentioned initially, hopefully, you know, things bigger and better things await all of us. And uh, also check out uh, Metal Moment Podcast. If you look up Host Chiaki, that's C-H-I-A-K-I, on iTunes, you'll find this specific podcast. Well, there are two different like sound bites with me incorporated in there. And um, it's pretty cool because I used uh, some Jakey Lee music as background music. And um, it's interesting because Chiaki went and pretty much dubbed the song, uh, which is Exit House, he went and dubbed the piece that I faded out, pretty much, and plays the entire song, and then goes over the list of pedals that Jakey e. Lee used on that specific song. Uh, great, great album, and uh, one of the only instrumental albums that I really dig front to back. But uh, yeah, check out Metal Moment Podcast, check out all the podcasts that were included there, I think it was great you know, to have that theme, uh, Metal Podcast United. And, uh, you know, we, we hold a uh, similar thing there. You know, the guys in Talking Metal also sort of push me to uh, to starting up all the various podcasts that I do. In any event, enough of me rambling along. Uh, just want to remember or remind you to check out the various sites, uh, whether that be FusionSonica.com, MarsAttacksRadio.com, or VictorMRuez.com. Each one of those sites have different themes. Fusion Sonic is all done in Spanish. Um, Mars Attacks Radio is focused more on hard rock and metal. And uh, VictorMRuez.com uh, focuses on whatever. 
I've named that site the Incoherent Ramblings of Victor M. Ruiz, and it's pretty much whatever pops into my head. Just post something there. I did a whole write-up on a, a good friend of mine that passed away 10 years ago um, at the beginning of this month and had a whole write-up on that. Had a bunch of friends from back home comment on that. And, um, you know, the podcasts are a little different there. That's why I did the non-metal countdown with that podcast because that's more of a freeform type deal. We'll have hard rock and metal, but we'll mix it up with a lot of different other styles of music. Uh, in any event, I want to thank you guys immensely for listening and putting up with <laughs> all this that I just um, that I just mentioned. We're going to close things up with another classic Halloween track, a track that probably the most of us, at least for me, this was the first track that I heard, thanks to a video that was actually shot here in Spain. The name of this track is I Want Out. See you next time. Yeah.